episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kat Barbadoro. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Just on uh, the 4th of July Eve here in Austin, yep. Texas. Yeah. Uh, I just started hearing fireworks, like, right when we started recording. So, I don't know. I don't think they're going to get picked up on my on my mic, but uh, it's okay. happening. <laughs> oh, it's good that they waited for us. They're like... <laughs> Um, yeah, I read something today that America is running out of fireworks, and that's probably because the government is using them against us. Yep, yep. We yep. were talking about that. I think it ended up being one of our one of several recent lost episodes where we were talking yeah. about the <laughs> the fireworks conspiracies. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. I'm in New Hampshire still. I'm going back to um, I'm going back to New York finally in a couple days, nice. and fireworks are like extremely legal and unregulated in New Hampshire. And so I'm going to try to pick up a car full before I go back <laughs> to uh, yeah. harass my neighbors with. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, man, I almost did like, I had plans to go to like a, a, a shore thing today and, and I was just like, you know what? Don't do it, man. <laughs> Not, that, I, don't think, I don't know. I, I was going to go out and like go to like a party at the lake and, or nope. at the, at the nope. shore, yeah, and I, I didn't Absolutely do it. not. Yeah. I, no, you made I, the right call. Yeah, not only did I almost go, I, I was almost a bad parent. I almost put my son, Jake Rowe, in danger and brought him down Ooh. there with me. I'm glad you made an executive decision to not endanger your son by bringing him. Yeah, yeah, it was that. Plus, so I got I got put in the group the group message. It was basically it was like these two girls I know were like, hey, we're going to go to the shore. Do you any of your friends want to go? I was like, yeah. And they added me to this group message, and it was like a bunch of girls. And I was like, that's pretty cool, right? Huge group message. All these people seem fun. Well, they all live in Temple, Texas. And so one day, uh, a couple days ago, they were all like, hey, since we all got the group message going, let's all go out and go to a bar. And so I was like, you know, I was just watching from here in Austin in the group chat. And the next morning I woke up and they had gotten kicked out of the bar they were at the night before. And they were all sharing like screenshots from the bar being like, hey, all you guys are banned and you can never come back because no one's going to talk to our staff that way. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get sick hanging out with these horrible people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have stopped it. They were all planning to go to a bar and I would have yeah. been like, yeah, don't go, don't go out with these people. But especially if they're going to go to the bar in the middle of a pandemic and be assholes, like, no, fuck them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, I've been being very safe through this pandemic and I have made every effort to not be safe. <laughs> like, my plans just keep blowing up in my face and I, I'm thankful for the universe doing that. For real. Like, I'm, don't fucking do it, Pat. Like, yeah. seriously, I was in New York like, during a lot of the worst shit. Like, it's not worth it. Don't yeah. go to the shore, please. No, I, yeah, no, I'm not doing anything. Tomorrow I am performing stand-up comedy at a uh, drive-in movie theater to people uh, very far away from me in their cars. Okay, disinfect that microphone. Like, if you're sharing a yes. microphone with people, fucking wash your hands, disinfect it. Because that we know people get sick from microphones under normal circumstances. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Shit will spread around the community. Don't shake the host's hand. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to nag, but, like, no, no, no. please I, be careful. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't want this shit either. And, like, I, I agree to do the thing, like... Every comedy decision I've, I've agreed to, like, since this has all started, has been, like, 
drunkenly out of desperation, right? Because I've been like, no, I'm not going to do I'm just going to wait it out. I'm not going to do any stand-up. And then I did one of those Twitch shows because I got drunk. It was like 2 in the morning, and I was like texting, right. yeah, like texting my ex. I was just like, oh, hey, yeah, I'll do right. your show, you know? And I miss so, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'll do that. So I'll do the one tomorrow, and it's, it's um, I don't know, it's at a drive-in movie theater. Apparently, uh, the cars honk instead of laugh. Oh my god! Yeah, that sounds surreal. I mean, that sounds like it could be kind of fun, but yeah, just uh, just disinfect that microphone. Yeah, that's kind. Of, that's kind of hold why it I with wanna... a Lysol wipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I it's kind of why, a it's kind of why I want to check it out. Uh, it's just because like the, the, you know it's surreal, you know. And uh, I don't know. I guess I got my opener is about not having insurance or a license, so that should go pretty well. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's just uh, what 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 a weird time. Like. I, uh, I I definitely am getting stir crazy, but I'm de- I'm I'm staying strong though. So good, good, yeah. Because shit's about to get like real, real bad down there. So yeah, that's just what, buckle down. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's looking like. Yeah, uh, yeah. Somebody just text me like, "You want to go to workhorse? <laughs> Gross, yo." <laughs> Didn't they have to close the bars down again? I don't know Is how. Workhorse even open? I don't know how any of these places are open. I remember the day everything was supposed to go uh, be closed down. I went to go hang out with this girl in a cemetery like a normal person. And, right, like yeah, a sane person. Like a sane person, yeah. I went to go see if we could find the graves of the people that shot Bonnie and Clyde, as you do in a pandemic. <laughs> and um, so, but I, we were going there because we were like, yeah, we'll do this because nothing is open. And we drove yeah. by and we drove by a million open restaurants, <laughs> like just bars, people hanging out the por- with the porch. I was Ugh. like, what, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> It's so dark. It's it really is so fucked up. Like, guys, don't just don't go out like you can go see people just hang out outside. Yeah, that's all. It's easy. Well, it's very easy. Yeah. Another weird part that was like uh, that has made zero sense. Well, I'm sorry, not made zero sense is, okay. the first wave of everything. Um, it was people were like, you know, uh, it was, I, I didn't know anybody personally that got it. It was always friend of a friend. Somebody told me this right. person, you know, not even friend of a friend. I really, it wasn't even that close. And in like the last like week I've bumped into people I know that were like, yeah, my job got shut down. Still, uh, what are the juice? Yeah. What are the juice lands it, on, on Cesar Chavez closed down uh, two cases of COVID. Um, Somebody else, I forget who. Yeah, but it's like it's like the noose is like tightening up, man. It's it's, it's right. Well, scary. Te- cases in Texas are going way, way, way up. Like yeah. the first wave was really concentrated in New York, and now it's all across the South. So like you're gonna know people who have it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So long story short, just don't be dumb, everybody. Please. Yeah. yeah. It's really bad. It's serious. It's real. I know people who were in the hospital on ventilators because of it, like, and they were young. Yeah. And thankfully they're okay, but like, yeah, shit's, shit's for real. <laughs> oh man, you know, and that's, <laughs> aren't you glad you could just escape for a little bit and listen to one of your favorite podcasts and just exactly, hear us yeah. lose our fucking <laughs> minds about this? <laughs> Sorry, we have a totally unrelated story today. As I yeah, 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 yeah. So hopefully say- we can... Get people, yeah, out of yeah. this horrible uh, reality that we're in for a little while. Yeah, okay, let's see. Let's see if I got this one, if I can nail a segue here. Um, you know the best way to get out of a horrible reality, Kath, is is to create your own. You know, like, just... Sure. Yeah, create a reality where, you know, your wildest dreams can come true. Maybe you <laughs> are a famous baseball player. Maybe you can drive cars real good. Or maybe... 
Maybe you're the king of a small European nation state. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So I have been, uh, my, my, my quarantine thing for the last 72 hours has been learning about uh, European microstates. Uh, you know, oh, you man, know, there are a lot of good weird ones. Yeah, you know, the Lesotos and the, uh, and the Liechtensteins and the Luxembourgs of the world. Yeah, uh, your San Marinos. Your San Marinos, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, one thing I've learned is every one of these European microstates has about two episode-worthy scandals in them, so this might, <laughs> this might be the next year for me. <laughs> Hell yeah. I can't wait to hear about Andorra. Uh, well, calf, buckle up, because that's where we are today. Yes! Yeah, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Team Andorra for the win. <laughs> Uh, so if you guys aren't familiar with Andorra, it is a, a mountainous principality nestled between France and Spain. Uh, it is one of the world's longest established, uh, countries. I think it was, it came, it, like, it came to being in its, in its modern incarnation in like the year 900. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive right into Andorra. Cue the music. There's going to be music. <laughs> um, so, Andorra, uh, officially called the principal, the Principality of Andorra, is a sovereign landlocked microstate on the Iberian Peninsula in the eastern Pyrenees, bordered by France to the north and Spain to the south. It is believed to have been created by Charlemagne. Uh, Andorra was ruled by the uh, Count of Urgel until 988, when it was transferred to the Roman Catholic Diocese of Urgel. Uh, the present principality was formed by a charter in 1278. That's what it was, yeah, so 1278. It's known as a principality, and it is a diarchy headed by two princes. Um, Interesting. Th- yeah. So are they two princes from the same royal family, or is it co-run by two royal families? No, no, they are two princes who stood here before us. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> a, no uh, so... Yeah, we, we basically, the, the, it is actually, it's from, one from Spain and one from France. Oh, okay, I yeah. see. Initially, it was the Bishop of Urgel in Catalonia, Spain, and the President of the French Republic. Now, now it's the President of the French Republic, but over the time, it's been various incarnations of uh, French royalty, and at one point, even being the French king, was the, the Prince of Andorra. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Andorra is the sixth smallest nation in Europe, uh, having an area of 468 square kilometers. Uh, the people speak a Catalonian-Spanish kind of, uh, kind of uh, deal <laughs> there. The official That's language- the Catalonian-Spanish, I think, is the one where all of the S's are THs. I believe it might be. You know? Um, you know or they're I- like Ibiza. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Catalonian, yeah. I think. Man, Europe has so many weird, uh, I'll say it, stupid things they do with their letters. Uh, <laughs> one of the ones that always got me is in German. Um, a, a, a two lowercase b's in a row is an S. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there was a big little uh, a big little joke over there when Mr. Pibb was released in Germany. Ah, classic. Was, yeah. Hey, Mr. Piss. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> a little more backstory. On Andorra here. After the fall of the Roman Empire, Empire Andorra came under the influence of the uh, the, 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 the Visigoths. Uh, and then throughout there, you know, eventually 
Tradition holds that Charles the Great, Charlemagne, granted a charter to the Andorran people for a contingent of 5,000 soldiers uh, to fight against the Moors. Now, at the time he did this... That's like a pretty cheap price for a country. Pretty cheap price for a country. Also even cheaper when you consider that at the time, uh, historians placed the population of Andorra at 4,000 to 6,000. And so unless men, women, and children were fighting, that's probably a, 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 a ceremonial number, to say the least. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it's a little bit of a higher price if you ask every person in the country to fight in your army. Yeah, in yeah. that case, it's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. kind of owe them a lot. Yeah, so, uh, now, over over time, there has generally been agreements between, uh, you know, um, all parties involved um, about the ruling of Andorra. Sometimes it would it would switch off year to year. So like one person would the one prince would rule for one year, the other prince would rule for the other year. Uh, there mm. were always large quantities of tax of taxes being paid, even up until now. Taxes are paid, um, you know, huge like uh, financial contributions are paid to both Spain and France in order for yeah. its sovereignty. Uh, currently, the uh, like most city states or like most nations, the small nation states, uh, Andorra, mo- their economy is mainly based around um, banking loopholes. <laughs> That's kind of what. Yep. Yeah, it's it's classic. A, yes, yes. And I was going to actually initially do a story about the uh, the Bank of Andorra and how the EU had to step in and essentially go, "Hey guys, quit laundering. Can everyone please quit laundering their money through Andorra?" <laughs> like, it was <laughs> like. Yeah, you're right. Like every one of these little micro nations has like so many weird scandals about it because like so many of them are weird banking uh, yeah. like areas of neutrality. Yeah, yeah. That, that I swear is what it all is. Also, I realized another important part of the European microstate industry is um, providing. How do you say the existence of vague monarchies that girls can find out they're princesses of in American movies. Yes, definitely. That's a big one. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Really, <laughs> it's yeah. it's also just generally to like supply uh, like weird inbred royals to like go to parties in Miami. Yeah, like, that is yeah. very important. <laughs> yeah, I think what they do is like they're like the. Um, the control group when it comes to inbreeding royals because they're like, okay, it, it, France, Germany, France, Germany, Russia, Poland, Britain can only fuck so much. And after a while, like they, you have to have like these like sanctioned off like Liechtenstein's and Luxembourgs to throw a few in there. So everybody's <laughs> a few extras, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody's neck, you know, shortens and their teeth go back to normal for in a few generations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I initially got into this. I was going to do a story about the, just the, the absolute banking shit show that is, uh, that is Andorra. And then I found out about a very curious chapter in Andorran history that I, I thought was just, uh, uh, the real story here. I was like, screw all this international <laughs> banking law. Uh, you know, as we, we had to, we, we did, we did the, we had the one Sean King episode we did. We did the Rampart scandal. Things have been a little serious. And I wanted to talk today about uh, a guy named Boris Skosarev as uh, the center of our story today. Um, basically, this gentleman uh, became king of Andorra uh, for roughly six days. And so... <laughs> It was not a bad run. Not a bad run. You know, there's there's been a lot better, but there's been a few worse. So yeah, you yeah. could get you could get enough done in six days to yeah yeah you know, yeah, yeah. cement he, your legacy. He made some waves. I got to give it to him. So <laughs> let's go. We'll go ahead and get in here. Uh, so Boris uh, 
Skasirif was born on the 12th of June, 1896, in Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania, which at the time was within the Tsarist Russian Empire. Uh, apparently, he was a white Russian adventurer who attempted to seize power in the European microstate of Andorra in 1934. Uh, he was known as Boris Skasirif Marasu, but there are various other spellings and misspellings uh, of his of Okay, his name. so he... He he tried to seize power. He was thirty eight, I think. He was born in eighteen ninety six, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm just trying to track my own sort of like <laughs> yeah, yeah. success and failure. <laughs> like I still have, I still have six more years. Yeah, you have six to... more years to see to seize power of a European microstate. And uh, exactly, know, yeah. I think you're on a pretty good track, Kath. And I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm your friend. I support you, but that's a non biased opinion. I think you're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> So, um, the surviving evidence relating to his life story is scattered across a large range of sources due to, in part, uh, from his moving between many countries. The elements can contradict each other to an extent, partially because he gave himself several versions of all the events. Uh, he claimed to be a member of the minor branch of Russian nobility, uh, members of which had served in the Tsarist army and left Russia in 1917 with the Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, having been involved with the British... That, a lot of people, I feel like, were able to do that. And it seemed like a really good move at the time. Yeah. To, like, to just leave Russia and be like, oh, yeah, I was a, I was in the nobility. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And then, you know, the communists <laughs> took over. Yeah, like, like bro, yeah, you have lice, dog. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <It's> like, just... <laughs> um, there's a comic uh, in Houston, Radu Bondar, uh, and his family was part of the... Uh, the ruling regime um, in um, was it Belarus? Where I don't know. One of the, yeah, one of the yeah, one of those wild ones. And uh, and yeah, he, his family just fled. <laughs> they were like I jailed it out of there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to to Radu who once declined my offer of flaming hot Cheetos and said no, thank you. I'm a very elite level of white. <laughs> so, <laughs> good guy. So yeah, so he. Um, yeah, he was involved with the British Army as a liaison officer to Oliver Locker Lampson's uh, Royal Naval Air Service. Uh, Scott Sereff at some point became linked with the Japanese military mission to the UK as a translator. Uh, the Japanese supported the White Russians during the Russian Civil War. Um, his post ceased with the Armistice of 1918. Index cards in the Foreign Office records of the National Archives referred to now weeded files in the Japanese military mission's departure and also to an incident with Boris Skosarev involving members of the Japanese mission, but Skosarev remained in London. Uh, the Japanese were more interested in extending their presence in the Pacific and East Asian region than in European affairs, so he was dumped by that government, or at least as an operative of them. Now... In 1934, you know, he made a couple wild claims here. Like, he claimed that he served uh, with the British Armored Car Unit on the Russian front during the First World War. Uh, in January 1919, he was arrested in London on charges of passing checks fraudulently at hotels, which he had been staying at. So he's just, like, one of our guys through and through. Yeah, like, that, I feel like those are very different stories. Like, are, were you on the armored car front or were you passing checks in London? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably not both. Yeah. Oh, no, a fun, uh, a fun World War One fact about Andorra is that Andorra uh, did declare war against Germany in World War One and sent zero troops <laughs> to, to, nice. to the conflict. And because it didn't send any troops, it didn't uh, register on the Treaty of Versailles. So <laughs> uh, technically... 
uh, they were at war with Germany until 1957 when somebody when somebody yeah. realized that they had never actually left World War One or or <laughs> or, or uh, de- declared non hostility towards uh, Germany and somebody found that and put an end to that ongoing conflict. Well, and- that's handy because that basically makes them like the first uh, people to oppose the Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, like, they, good they, for them. Like, right side of history. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Literally, the minute the Nazis came into power, they were already besieged by the Andorran. Already at yeah. war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Andorans were already putting the screws on those bastards. <laughs> All right. So now, yeah. So uh, yeah, he said he had to leave. Um, you know. Uh, Russia when the Bolsheviks uh, rebelled um, yeah then like he was actually expelled from Britain uh, later for um, just further ch- chicanery <laughs> like like check cashing and things of that nature mm-hmm. now Andorra at this time in 1933 was experiencing a period of unrest the co-princes uh, at this point is the Bishop of Urgel in Spain and the President of France at this point had intervened against um, insubordination in the local government there, uh, mm. calling that there, there was new elections and they, they said there was much resentment at this activity, uh, not the least because it occurred in a period in which the Andorran Parliament was traditionally not serving. So uh, basically there's a bit of an uprising, people trying to take Andorran control into their own hands. Uh, right, they the, didn't like being like a commonwealth anymore. Of course, yes, like, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Spain, fuck yeah. you... Yeah, they, they they wanted to have because they they had their own independence kind of, but they still had two princes ruling them that were from other countries. So you know, that's, right? It's like it's like Canada or something. We're like they technically yeah, have the queen. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're Canada. Uh, yeah, I, I saw like Samantha B one time explaining like the Canadian independence. It was like, and we we too shucked British rule. Well, not really. We still have it, and we kind of just asked nicely. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so yeah, so th- that was going on. Also, other factors contributed to the unrest. A Spanish power company had made arrangements to set up a power station uh, in Andorra. In return, they were uh, in return with which they were going to build roads. And a number of the workmen belonged to an anarchist syndicate. Uh, and hell they yeah! Went, yeah, hell yeah! They went on strike, and so taxes began to be imposed due to the costs of the administration and the decline in the supply of concessions by the government. So the anarchists went in there and uh, were kind of uh, causing some unrest in that period too. So yeah, throwing a wrench in the works. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, uh, one wrench, one hammer, one sickle. Actually that's anarchist. My bad. Wrong thing. <laughs> but, uh, so moving in here. So yeah, now, now this, uh, so now we move into, um, Skosarev's uh, first day visit in Andorra. Now at this point, Andorra was starting to become, uh, popular with like, um, European nobility. Like, um, much like many of us, they didn't really know it existed. And so they were like, oh, there's this cool little mountain kingdom, you know, and it was kind of like the getaway. And like, you know, like, uh, also it always has been a kind of like a, an affluent place as a lot of these small nations are like your Monaco's and such. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Because probably because of their weird tax shelter. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it's like, it's up in the mountains. Like I bet it's really pretty. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it is beautiful. And they have like, they have French food and Spanish food. Get out of town, oh, man, dude. You could probably just eat all day and just never gain any weight. <laughs> like, just probably, like, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. They <laughs> they could. I would not. They would have to roll me back down the mountain. Uh, so, so yeah. And at this point, Boris uh, was just kind of like you know, he's jet setting around, cashing hot checks. Uh, the real Anthony Ginyak of his day. Sure. Um, on his first visit to Andorra, uh, Skosarev took up residence in the village of Santa Coloma de Andorra near uh, Santa Julia de Luria. 
During his visit, Boris was believed to have began to begin planning his coup, having had extensive conversations with peasants, artisans, and politicians across Andorra. So basically, he came in and saw the political unrest going on and thought, you know, maybe there's a, a you know, maybe there's room for old Boris here, you know? Yeah. And so I'm already telling people I'm a deposed uh, Russian noble. Like yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe there's a spot for me. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I I I've been having the idea of like musicals in my head all day, and I would just love to see a Boris musical. Like maybe there's room for me and Andorra. <laughs> like he's <just laughs> jumping on a fucking trolley or whatever. You should write it, man. Yeah, yo, yeah. Musical, I, they just put Hamilton on Disney. Musicals are hot now. Yeah, oh, good news. Um, I So the, the house that I'm working in, um, uh, we came in today to get to work. And like, yo, there's like a dividing wall of the part that we're working on. But it's just plastic sheeting so they can hear everything that we do and all the tools that we use. And I yep. walked in and they were listening to the very first song in Hamilton. And I was like, <laughs> oh, baby, here we go. Boom, boom, boom. Zzz. <laughs> and we just they tried to make it through like two songs they eventually just turned the TV off <laughs> yeah so if you're if you're interested I shit all over a viewing attempt of uh, Hamilton tonight so. <laughs> so yeah so on the 17th of May 1934 Boris actually was able to get uh, an audience with uh, other with advisors to the government of Andorra, and he presented them with a document laden with his suggestions uh, in which he justifies intentions of rule um his attempt was ridiculed by the government members. Uh, yeah, I mean, usually when you submit your suggestions of how to rule a country to a government, they're probably going to ridicule you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not taken taken well. What he wanted to do essentially was he wanted to turn, uh, he wanted to turn Andorra in more into a Monaco. He wanted there to be casinos. That's the one thing yeah. about Andorra was a part of its, oddly enough, in the 1880s or 1800s or whatever, when it, like it's like, more um, modern version of government was like ratified. Uh, mm -hmm. A big thing of it was no gambling houses. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause at the time that was, you know, a problem. So that was like, um, I guess part of their culture, <laughs> but was yeah. to not have casinos. Yeah. So they very much did not want to be a Monaco. Yeah. This no, I no. was like, I know how we can be a like rich country. We'll invite all the rich people here to gamble. Yeah. 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 Essentially. So uh, they basically were like, yeah, um, they, they said that uh, they were quoted as responding, um, basically told to get rid of the guy, make sure that he does not meddle in the political affairs of the valleys. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, he was he was he was kicked out of, of Andorra. And they said, uh, you know, basically they said, beat it. So Boris uh, described this turn, this period, time period as his exile. Uh, he was exiled from Andorra, and he was uh, uh, granted sanctuary in the Hotel Mundial, which was five kilometers away from Andorra. <laughs> yeah, so he was... Uh, I also, anytime I get kicked out of somewhere, refer to it as an exile. Yeah, yeah, man, I am exiled from so many bars. <laughs> I'm going to... Yeah, just like... I if, I if I put a Facebook post about being kicked out of a bar, I refer to that as a letter written in exile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so basically, when he came into the, the, the town, uh, it was called uh, La Cé d'Orgel, uh, five kilometers from Andorra, and he was staying at the Hotel Mundial, and he, they said he began behaving like an authentic monarch, one which led many interviews, uh, he gave telephone calls to newspapers, uh, both British and American, he gave one to the New York Times, the Daily Herald, and in these interviews, he just started claiming to be the deposed monarch of Andorra. Sure, um, I mean, especially, like... This works because it's 
the type of country that gets forgotten in the Treaty of Versailles. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is the the journalists he is talking to do not have Andorran government officials on speed dial to check this story. You know, they're just like, sure, you're probably the king of Andorra that's in exile. Like, I'll you sound trustworthy. Yeah, right? yeah. That's, this that's wouldn't work if he was claiming to be the king of like Spain. Like, it works because it's Andorra. Yeah, because it's Andorra. Yeah, and, and like. Again, and this is also prime time for, you know, you could literally steal, you could, you could steal money from everybody in town, shave your mustache and move one town over. Like that's that, that's yeah. this, that is this time period. So totally. Yeah. So basically he's like, he starts giving these phone interviews with, uh, with different, uh, uh, publications, um, and talk to, talk about how he wants to substantially modify the Andorran political system. Uh, he wanted to give the co-principality modernization and have freedoms and give them foreign investments and rec- and, and have them recognized as a tax haven, one which he argued to bring Andorra into the modern age. So yeah, after receiving the backs of the backings of the monarchists, on 6th of July, he marched back in to the Andorran, uh, the Andorran consulate or the Andorran uh, parliament, and there he just procla- proclaimed himself King Boris I of Andorra, regent of his majesty for the king of France, Jean d'Orleans, Duke de Guise. Basically, oh, I'm sorry, that's what it was. They wanted to put in uh, this guy as the king of France, and they figured that having somebody um, working for them in Andorra would help their claim. So they wanted to basically, so, they wanted okay. to reinstall so he, the monarchy in France. At this point, France was a democracy. Okay, so the, they wanted this guy in Orleans to be the king of France. So they were like, the fact that we have a principality swearing allegiance to this guy will help our case. Yes, That's what yes, it is? Okay. yes, correct. And correct. also, yeah, that he's swearing allegiance to this guy and not the Spanish one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that goes. So, how so, long was he, quote unquote, in exile before he marched back in? Uh, it was like six weeks. Okay. <laughs> like, it wasn't very long. Yeah, it was like within a month or, or a month yeah. and a half. Yeah. He Just was enough to, to collect yourself and, you know, hook up with this uh, French royal and uh, get yourself a, a claim. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he. Um, <laughs> So the first thing, so he goes in, he, he goes into the the, the uh, parliament or whatever, so to speak, declares himself the king, and it's actually ratified. Uh, it's ratified, uh, they said 34 members of parliament, only one of them voted against it. And Why? At, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't know, but he, he it was kind of an important, uh, uh, an important voice of dissent because, um, so yeah, so that happens, and this, uh, it was yeah, I'm sorry, it was a 23 and one on fa- uh, in his favor. This was on the 10th of July. So on the 12th of July, Boris the First of Andorra issued a, procula- a proclamation declaring war on the Bishop of Urgell, which was the Spanish ruler of Andorra. So basically, he came in as like a French agent, overtook the throne, seated himself, and then declared war on the Spanish bishop, who was the okay, other so- prince of Andorra. So the reason that they voted him in is because they were like, we're tired of this two prince rule shit. Yes. Yeah, so they're yeah, like, yeah. we don't really care that you're just a, a faker. We just want to get rid of this Spanish guy. It, se- it seems so. It seems so. It really okay. doesn't speak all much of that, at least as much as I can find. I was able to find one English language, or I'm sorry, if you count Wikipedia, 
two English language resources <laughs> on this. The rest of it is in Catalonian Spanish, and I bet you if I could read it, this would be a much better podcast. <laughs> wow. No, but we're like, we're breaking ground here. This is like, this is a primary source. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is one of the, the, the only English language source that's not yet. <laughs> and that, I mean, there might be some behind a paywall, but I couldn't even find a paywall, so. Wow. Yeah, so... So yeah, he declared himself Boris I of Andorra, uh, regent for his majesty, the king of France, Jean d'Orléans, walks in there. Now, he issued a proclamation of war against the Bishop of Urgell. He also issued an official bulletin. He made numerous decrees. Uh, The constitution he promoted contained 17 articles, uh, the longest of which, being under 30 words, they kind of just had like a lot of vague stuff like um, about... Uh, modernization and uh, financial freedoms and also the uh, promotion of sport uh, seem to be pretty popular in there. So he, he basically wants to, he has like two plans. He wants to, oh shit, sorry, my headphones just came out. Let me start that over. Uh, one second. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, let me start that over. Three, two, one. So he basically just wants to turn Andorra into like a fucking hotspot. Like yes. a, he wants it to be like the uh, nightlife party destination of Europe. Sports, <laughs> casinos, no Spanish royals. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. Sports, casinos, and no Spanish. It sounds like a, like a, like an ass gas or grass. Nobody rides for free kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> the most important things. Yeah. So uh, while he was in there, he actually he devised a a new flag, uh, which I could not find anywhere. To Man, see what that looks this guy like. works fast. He like wor- he, he he was quick. kicked out. Six weeks later, he comes back and wins a vote, like a legitimate claim. That's like very impressive. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. You got to give it to him. Like two days in, he's making new flags. Like, yeah. <laughs> really, he came in with a plan. Like, no wonder they voted for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got things done, man. Oh, and, and listen to this cool little thing. He said, um, "Let's see what was the uh, his little his little catchphrase here." Oh, yeah, he said he proclaimed liberty of politics, belief, and opinion. He wished to protect those in need and promote education and sport. Get him. All right. Yeah. So, Doesn't um, sound so bad. Yeah, exactly. Well, the so he, this goes on for a few more days. He takes a lot of pictures. Uh, he took one picture dressed up like um, King he Albert. He takes a lot of pictures. Yeah, it takes a he lot of pictures. Like, <laughs> he's just like, all right, now that I'm king, it's time to... Yeah. commemorate this shit because I know this ain't lasting long. Yeah, fucking so I'm going to se- put on all the outfits. <laughs> yeah, selfie session, bro. Yeah, so he just goes in. Uh, now the pro... Yeah, so this goes on for... Uh, this started on the 8th of July, right? The 10th of July. Uh, on the 14th of July, uh, the Bishop of Urgell, the one he declared war against, um, just waltzed into the Andorran court uh, with two police officers and arrested him and the charge is <laughs> hilarious. He arrested him under the, uh, what's the name of the law? I'm going to get the, the law here. Ah, uh, yes. He arrested him, um, by enacting the law of vagabonds and malefactors, <laughs> which, <laughs> which, um, allows for the arrest of people with no discernible incomes or places of residence. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's basically, oh my God. Like, yeah, it says it was made to come up to, to combat um, uh, uh, vagrants and pimps. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But it's like, well, this does technically apply to the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No discernible income. Or no, no, it was no discernible employment. That's what it was. Yeah, no discernible employment. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So on that, on that day, 14th July, Boris I was deposed by order of the Bishop of Regal and the French president, Albert Lebrun. So the, you know, they crushed that uh, the monarchist uh, uprising that had happened. <laughs> That's pretty uh, humiliating if the person you declared war on gets the best of you with just two cops. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's humiliating that you've really, yeah, you got to really think about it before you declare war. If, if you, if the other person can, can beat you that easily. Yeah. Yeah. And what's, what's that famous quote about like, uh, I think it was in world war one or even maybe even basically the, 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 the whatever Germany was at the time, cause it wasn't always Germany. This guy said basically like, what if, what happens if the British army lands on your shore? He goes, I'll have him arrested. <laughs> yeah, so it uh, yes, yeah, so he was deposed um, during. Um, let's see. After that, he was taken to. Uh, he was expelled. So basically, he was uh, he was arrested by the the Spanish police, taken to Barcelona uh, on the twenty third of July. And Spanish authorities who held him in custody noted that he carried a Dutch passport, which indicated his date of birth. Uh, in November, Boris uh, Skosarev was expelled from Spain to Portugal. His own lawyer proposed that he be expelled under the law on vagrants, and the magistrates uh, agreed. On reaching the Portuguese border, he was arrested for having no passport. Uh, he claimed the Spanish <laughs> had taken his money and documents. He was given a provisional passport on condition that he would not return. <laughs> you know, it's so tight when you're just such a shitty person. People are like, look, everything's dropped. Just never come back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like every single country is like, you can't come back here. So he has nowhere to go. They're just like, fine, we'll give you a passport <clears throat> if you just leave. Yeah, yeah. And then for the rest of his life, he kind of just uh, just bounced around all over the place. Uh, in 1936, he was back in Portugal with no passport. He's arrested. Uh, and he went to Spain and was released. In 1938, the French authorities allowed him to settle in France. That's nice um, of them. In 1939, he was at a French internment camp uh, in Toulouse with Spanish anti-Francoists and Italian anti-fascists. Um, now, 19 and, and during the war, because this is all pre pre World War II, uh, there right. were some claims that he died in a camp in 1944. However, he did survive and was taken by the Nazis in 1943, and he actually worked and collaborated with them on the Eastern Front. God damn it. Uh, I was about to say that maybe he was cool. If he was if he was an anti-Francoist and an anti-fascist, it's like, all right, those people are great. Like, that's awesome. Those are the right that's the right side of the Spanish Civil War to be on. Yeah, no, but, he uh, definitely no, Nazi seems like, collaborator. Yeah, he seems like he was just uh, wh whoever would take him at this point. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, he returned to Germany. Let's see. In 1948, he was arrested uh, by the Soviets and sent to Siberia. Uh, not fun. He did return to Germany in 1956 with the rest of the surviving German POWs. He took up residence there. Uh, he was granted a small state pension, uh, which is weird. Um, he made an attempt to sell his memoirs without success, but otherwise lived quietly. And finally, he died on 27th of February in 1989. So he never, never saw the 90s. Um, Man, it, that, it bumps me out that he wasn't able to sell his memoirs. Because like, like him or not, that's a very interesting life. Yeah, yeah. And if even he can't sell those memoirs, it gives king. me... Yeah, what's that? Just even after being the king, like, being bouncing around Europe like that. It, yeah. It, that's a very interesting time to be bouncing around Europe. Yeah, post-war Europe, up in a moving French, around the train. Like, yeah, just being in a French internment camp and then going to Siberia and then being... 
like return to Germany, a place where he wasn't from. Like that all sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he, he led an interesting life. I don't know what his views and opinions were on things. It sounds like working with the Nazis. I mean, obviously working with the Nazis is, is never excusable, but it just seems like <laughs> his his personal I don't know, like, like view of life is just like, yo, whoever's going to take me, you know? And, uh, right. Do whatever you got to do to get by. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Well, what's crazy is if he can't sell his memoirs, I have no luck in selling my memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. We're yeah. screwed. But that is, uh, yeah, that, that is the story of, uh, Boris, uh, Skosarev, um, the one time King of Andorra. And I'm going to say worth it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I completely worth it. It sounds like he had a hell of a cool ass, interesting life, except when he went to Siberia. I would say worth it up until working with the Nazis. Yeah, so. I mean, that's the thing. It sounds like he ended up in a couple different work camps, which is like not great. But he didn't end up in those work camps because he tried to be king of Andorra. It sounds like he was just kind of a marginal figure yeah. in the world and just kind of getting by on grifts. But like yeah. if he had stopped at just being the king of Andorra... Like that guy could have that guy would have been like I could easily see him being like a recurring guest on Johnny Carson. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. It's in the, the stupid human tricks episode just like watching yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the the people that they have like I, I can just see him being like a, a character like yeah. that and uh not collaborating with the Nazis cuz yeah, I mean, things are going pretty good. The fact that they didn't just kill him is, like, very impressive to me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, at that point, you, you would think they would, I don't know if they'd be within their rights to, but it seems like, you know, I, I certainly think that European monarchies have never really worried about that before, so. <laughs> yeah, so but that, yeah, good for him. I really want to see the flag that he made. Yeah, yeah, guys, you can find that out there. Please, please do send <laughs> it to us. And just, you know, just when you're going through life, man, use this as a lesson. Sometimes... Sometimes just just stop it being the king of Andorra. Yeah, just quit when you're ahead. You yeah. know, like figure <laughs> out when, like when your your clock is has run out. And uh, look, Portugal seems nice. Yeah, like, yeah, hang yeah. Out in Portugal. <laughs> don't yeah, don't go chasing empires. Stick to the seven digit nation states that you're used to. <laughs> and exactly. that's uh, that that yeah that's <laughs> and that that's the realest shit I ever wrote. <laughs> but uh yeah man uh, is this is this this is uh this, this is, is a free this is a free episode okay yeah guys well um yeah thanks for tuning in this was our riveting story about the king of andorra um you guys can follow us we actually have a patreon where we talk about uh all sorts of stuff we do two episodes a month on the patreon you can find us at patreon.com slash lie cheat and steal um, and you can find us on Twitter at LCS podcast. I'm on Twitter as I'm Pat Soroy's at P Z T X. That's P E E Z Y T X. I post all sorts of fun stuff on there. Kathy got anything for us? Yeah. Um, I'm at Kath Barbadoro on everything. I have another podcast called what a time to be alive that comes out once a week. Uh, it's a countdown of dumb news stories. Um, we have a Patreon for that as well. I also want to say thank you for your patience. We had some recording technical issues uh, this past week, and so we weren't able to put up a free episode for June. But don't worry, we are going to do two free episodes this month to make up for it. So yep. normally we do one free and then two behind the paywall, but this month we're going to do two free and two behind the paywall. So yep, yeah, definitely uh, check out our Patreon if you are interested in hearing more scam stories and yes. uh yeah that's i think that's it leave us a review on itunes we really appreciate that and uh thank you
yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are rad. Um, you know, look for us, check for us, rate, like, listen, share, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, don't catch coronavirus, and above all, don't get caught.